This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to another edition of Through the Smoke, a Miami Hurricanes football and recruiting podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Network. David Lake joined by Gabby Urrutia. I didn't roll my R very well there. Urrutia. (laughs) And we are going to talk the latest. We got a lot to get into here, Gabby. Um, So let's just start, I guess, kind of chronological-ish order work our way backwards, right? So let's start with Tuesday's practice. Um, I guess, what was the biggest thing you feel like you took away or learned from being out there for those, what, 40 minutes of media viewing at Tuesday? Yeah, um, you know, I guess today, uh, you know, it, it was it was a little bit, di- I mean, a little bit different in terms of just like the flow of practice. You can tell that it's more of like, game week ish or not game really game week ish, but like you can tell they sort of pulled away from like the fall camp sort of schedule in terms of just like how they organized it more to- and there it's, it's more geared towards just like really like, you know, doing like individual stuff and then getting into 11 on 11 stuff. So uh, you can definitely tell that the, that it sort of shifted towards that rather like you, you definitely see the difference between what a fall camp looks like and what like game prep looks for, looks like, you know, get, mm-hmm. uh, getting ready for Alabama and all that stuff. Um, not a ton of changes on, you know, either the first team or the second team from what I was able to gather. Uh, I think it's notable that Jared Williams still holding down that left tackle spot, uh, DJ Scaife playing right tackle. So, uh, you know, we asked Brett Lashley after the, after practice, you know, at the, in his press conference was Zion around Zion Nelson around. And he said that he was around, but you know, he wasn't very active or anything like that. It seems like he's been around the team and stuff like that, but don't know how much he's doing. And that's a, you know, Manny Diaz said they're going to start integrating him a little bit more. So it seems like they're still sort of in the process of doing that. That was probably one of the biggest takeaways um, of the day. Uh, Don Chaney running back was off to the side working, uh, doing like some medicine ball stuff, like not really participating in a lot of stuff. Uh, you know, the running backs sort of been on and off in terms of just like, you know, a couple weeks ago, he was in a red, no contact. It seems like he's probably not a hundred percent back. Um, so that's one of the other big, the other just like major things to just maybe monitor, uh, probably oh, just one positive in terms of, in terms of injuries, Nessa Silvera back in the rotation. He was working with the second team defense. Um, you know, obviously a, a starter here at Miami, like, you know, he's been that in the past. So good to sort of see him back after missing some time. Uh, yeah. And then it was just like, you know, we got some good 11 on 11 work. It seemed like Miami was, uh, you know, doing some scout work between the first, it was like a mix of like the first and second team defense against the scout team offense and same deal on the offensive side of the ball, just kind of mixing pieces in did see, I feel like I did see some of the freshmen working with that main group of offense, uh, in terms of just like, you know, seeing like Brashard Smith sort of in the mix or Brinson, those types of guys. So 
maybe, maybe they're going to be a part of it. Who knows? But uh, overall, I thought it was a pretty good, uh, I thought it was a pretty good practice in terms of just like, you know, changing things up a little bit. It felt a little different. What do you, what do we make of the Zion Nelson stuff? Did, did anyone, so I know they said he was out there. Did anyone actually see him out there? No, no, no one saw during the media portion of viewing. Um, no one saw him out there. He just wasn't around. He hasn't been around. I feel like I haven't seen his face in like three weeks. Um, but Brett Lashley did. This is what I'm assuming, I guess. And I think this is, again, this is just an assumption. This is just like nothing that like obviously confirmed. I think he's probably getting treatment and stuff during that first portion of practice. I think he's coming back after. I just assuming that's the way it's going. If he is actually present, according to Rhett Lashley, and he's not around when we're around. So um, that's my probably best guess in of the Zion Nelson situation. But apparently he's out there. We haven't seen him, so no real way to confirm. So, okay. If we're reading the tea leaves, right? Yeah. Should we be, and there's, there's time, but it is getting close yeah. to, you know, Alabama game week and tip. I would probably say the cutoff, like if Zion isn't practicing fully by this time next week, he's probably not going to play in that yeah. game. That's typically how it goes in football. Right. Um, so if we're reading the tea leaves and, you know, Zion isn't out there practicing fully at all right now. They've already made the move in the lineup of putting Jared Williams at left tackle um, and DJ Scaife at right tackle. So they are getting Jared Williams reps for whatever reason at left tackle, which I would agree with if Zion, if Zion Nelson can't play against Alabama, you want Jared Williams as the left tackle, right? Um, so for reading the tea leaves, like I know for me as, as in terms of just what we know right now, and I'm not reporting that he's out or anything, but I'm kind of of the mindset right now. Like I don't really expect to see Zion Nelson against Alabama. Are you there yet? Or are you holding out hope? I might be holding out a little bit, but yeah, I feel like I'm getting much closer to that. This is like, if like, I, like what you said, like at what point do you give him enough reps and all that stuff to be prepared to like basically go head to head with like will anderson you know like right probably gonna be one of the top edge rushers in the country this year like you want him getting as many reps as possible like if he's not there not really even present in, during that beginning portion of practice and you're saying that he's just kind of around at what point are you just like you know what we need to kind of put our guy out there that has actually gone through this again maybe you give him until next monday next tuesday to really like you know sort of gauge that but I think it would be pretty difficult to just be like, Hey Zion, I know you're just freshly back. Here's a potential first rounder, you know, right. have fun with that. So also seemed like from what you were, what you wrote on the message board in your VIP observations, there might be, I don't know if like mixing and matching is the right word in the secondary, but it seems like, you know, I don't know if shakeups the right word either, but it seems like, to Corey couch and DJ Ivy appear to be the top corners, right? Yeah. It seems like Tyreek and who was it today? Was it Dunson? You think as the second team, I mean, I guess I, Al I, blades explain yeah. what Al blades was doing. Yeah. So Al blades was working with the safeties today. Like again, in like individual drills. Um, I mean, I wasn't there for like the initial 11 on 11 portion of practice, 
but um, Al Blades, again, was working with the safeties. I don't know if that's a product of Cameron Kitchens and Brian Balaam being out. and Maybe they just wanted bodies there. Um, or if that's something that they're maybe going to just start testing the waters on. Don't really know. Don't have a lot of clarification on that right now. But um, for a majority of camp, it seems like, or just the majority of the time out there, Al Blades has been that number two corner. So I'm not really sure what to make. I think it could potentially just be like a, you know, we really need some guys back there, maybe guys that sure. are experienced and sort of know the defense to sort of run what we want to do right now. Could be that. I'm honestly not even 100% sure what to make of Al Blades working with the safeties right now. If Balaam is out, it does make sense to me to have Al get some work as that third safety, yeah. in my opinion, right? So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Interesting to see how they use Tyreek Stevenson because uh, he's kind of a versatile guy too. I think he's a guy that could also play safety at a, at a pretty high level if Miami wanted to give him a look there. I don't think they are, um, but he could. He certainly has the traits to play safety as well. I think that secondary group in general, there's a lot of versatility, definitely, yeah. a lot of options that the staff can explore, um, which I think they should explore. So let's move on to uh, Avante Williams talk, right? Um, So for those that are unaware, the talented, I guess he's technically still former safety at Miami. He was dismissed from the team in late July due to domestic violence charges, right? On Friday, those charges were dropped uh, by the state's attorney. And uh, over the weekend, you know, there's been kind of a groundswell of Avante needs to be back on the team. um, And on Monday, I guess, Manny Diaz spoke on it. And you were there, Gabby. Essentially, what did what did Manny say? And what kind of vibe do you get in terms of is the door open for Avante to potentially return? Yeah, uh, Manny Diaz basically said that, you know, they're reviewing all the documents and, uh, you know, the decision makers. And, you know, he used the word decision makers, which made it sound to me personally um, that like someone else is probably going to have the final say in this. Um, In terms of the door being open, uh, I think it is, uh, you know, it sounded to me like just like based on like how he sort of phrased it, like if it were up to him, he would probably just be open to bringing Avante back. Um, but he made it, he did make it seem like it was a bit over his head or just like other people also had like, a you know, a heavy say in how this situation eventually plays out. So, um, you know, I do think the door is open. Um, I'm not, again, I could see this yeah, going we'll both see. ways. I can, I can definitely see this going either way. Uh, I feel like Miami's very, uh, what is your gut? My gut my tells gut. me no, but I don't think it's close. I don't, I think there is a chance yeah. Avante comes back, but if I, if you forced me to pick a side, I would be surprised, not surprised, but I would probably say, I don't think Avante will be back on the team. That's just yeah. my feeling. Yeah. Honestly, my gut, my, I think my gut is leaning. Yes. And just because like, you know, I've seen reports of just like what Manny Navarro said, like, you know, with Edwin Patton involved, it feels like Miami is trying to do right by the kid. And I think, I think that they'd probably be open to bringing him back. I mean, it seems like he was got a guy was going to have a significant role in the defense. I don't know. I, my best guess, again, this is just me assuming, is that Manny Diaz 
would probably be open to having sure. him back. I just don't know if the school is. Right. I feel that's like where I, I'm coming. Yeah, from. yeah, yeah. I, I could. That's what I'm saying. I can see it's going both ways. I, man, I could. I could see it happening. I might. I would go like 51-49, Yes. Yeah. Going back. I'm not like I'm not moralizing this issue, right? I mean, Miami, the higher ups are yeah. going to make the decision that they're Definitely. going to make, right? Um, but I will say, you know, I think those documents that Manny Diaz was referring to, they did get released on yeah. Monday afternoon after Manny Diaz said that. And what did we learn from those documents? Um, we essentially learned that the alleged victim decided to not pursue criminal charges and she refused to answer any questions regarding the incident, right? So whoever is making the final decision on this Avante case at UM uh, has to navigate uh, why they think that is the case, right? Why did she decide to not pursue criminal charges? Why did she decide to, to answer questions regarding the incident? Um, it also came out in that document that uh, she claimed her bruises and injuries were from moving into her new apartment, right? And we know she is 30 plus weeks pregnant when this alleged incident occurred. You know, whoever, again, from UM, whoever's making this decision has to grapple with uh, did this woman really get bruises and injuries from lifting heavy things at 30, while weeks pregnant. <laughs> at 30 plus weeks pregnant? So, yeah, I mean, look, these are decisions these people have to make. It's basically it comes down to do the higher ups at UM believe this report or not. Right. Do they do they believe you know, they just, they, they got to decide where they stand on all this stuff. And again, I'm not moralizing. I'm here to cover the team and whatever Miami decides to do, I'm going to cover it. There's no doubt Avante is a very talented football player. There's no doubt he would help the football team on the field. There's no doubt that the coaches and his teammates would love to have him back. I, I think all that is the case. To me, this is a decision that boils down to right or wrong. Uh, is it right to bring Avante back onto the team? And that's something the higher-ups at Miami need to figure out. So we will see what they decide to do. Um, let's, let's transition now to a little bit. It's been a few days, but I think we should still touch on it. Scrimmage talk, scrimmage two, which was on Saturday night. Um, let's just talk about, I guess, maybe what we've learned from that scrimmage, right? To me, the biggest thing, you know, Manny Diaz in a, in a video after that scrimmage came out and said um, the defense dominated, right? Which, you know, I think they did, They from everything I've heard, they, they did play better, right? But there is some context, I think, that needs Definitely. to be shared. I think it was, it was a lot of one versus two work. So first team versus second team work, which is common at this stage in fall camp. You know, pretty much every team around the country is doing one versus two work uh, in large part to prevent injuries, right? The, the biggest kind of priority right now is to stay healthy. And so you see a lot of teams go one versus twos. Um, and, and so I do think the first team defense had a lot more success. 
uh, on in the second scrimmage. And, and I do think from what I heard too, a lot of that success was because, because Manny Diaz and, and the defensive coaches got more creative uh, with their blitzes and looks up front. And those did cause some problems every now and then for the offense. And I heard the tackling in general was better, right? Which is a positive. Um, I still think, you know, the offense as a whole is better than the defense on this team. I don't know if you would agree with that. And then um, I've also heard, you know, there is, there is optimism around Keontre Smith at weak side linebacker. You know, he was mentioned again publicly by Manny Diaz and then inside the program, they're also optimistic. I'm cautiously optimistic about the things I've heard about Keontre, but I'm at the point where we still, I need to see it to believe it, I guess. Um, was there anything that stood out to you from, you know, either Manny Diaz said or, or the scrimmage highlights or, or anything like that, Gabby, that, that we need to touch on here from that scrimmage talk? Yeah, I mean, you hit a lot of it. Uh, the one thing that I will add is Manny Diaz during his press conference yesterday said that Zach McLeod, maybe it was on his, maybe it was on the press conference or maybe it was during the ACC All Access. I feel like I'm, I'm yeah. sort of blending those together. But he said that uh, Zach McLeod had probably his best scrimmage as a Miami Hurricane, uh, regardless of position, of where, regardless of where he was on the field. So, um, you know, again, Zach McLeod, I feel like he's been consistently running with the ones and stuff. Uh, you just to hear him get that praise from Manny Diaz, it sounds to me like he's going to be one of the starting defensive ends come Alabama. It just feels that way. Do um, we like that? Do we? I don't know. I don't know. I would I feel, feel like better. Honestly, I would feel better if – DeAndre Johnson was starting over Zach. Yeah. Cause I think that the upside's higher there, but go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, that's probably right. I mean, there's a guy that's been playing, I feel like a similar sort of role for a while, but like, you know, it just feels like he's just their guy. You know, I haven't really, yeah, I don't want to sit agree. here and say anything because like, I, at the end of the day, I haven't seen Zach McLeod, like come off the edge like that, or just like, you know, we've seen it a couple of times in like the spring game or anything like that. Like, Sure. But what he's done recently, like how many live reps are you really seeing? Uh, very few, if any. Um, so, I mean. To me, just my read on it, I would like Zach most as a situational, situational pass rusher. Like, yeah. yeah. So, but I agree. I think he is poised to probably start that Alabama game. Now, how do the reps, how do the snaps get divvied out between that edge rush group? To me, that's another question and we'll find out. But I agree. I, I do think Zach McLeod is set to start against Alabama. Let's, let's transition here, Gabby, to um, how we're kind of just big picture wise, how we're feeling about this team coming out of camp. Um, and, and I'll let you go first, right? So what do you just in general, big picture wise, what do you feel best about with this team coming out of fall camp? Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I think you got to go to the offensive side of the ball, man. I think that you know, what De'Ara King and those guys are going to be able to do. It seems like it seems like they're really going to be able to push the ball down the field on a lot of people. I think Alabama is obviously going to be a great test to open the season. But big picture wise, again, like I could see this being one of the more explosive offenses in the ACC. Um, you know, you, you return a lot of weapons and, and, you know, added a couple weapons while schools like North Carolina, I mean, you lose De'Ami Brown, you lose, um, I'm sure there's uh, Daz Newsome. I know there's a couple other guys that they lost over there. And it's just like, it feels like Miami's returning a lot of guys added a couple pieces. I think that they could potentially have one of the more explosive passing games. Um, 
you know, just about the offense in general, again, with the, with the offensive line, obviously missing a couple pieces, but, you know, I feel like this is a team that could win the Coastal, honestly, you know, I, I sure. think that this is a team that should be expected to, you know, win 10 games, um, you know, Sure. I don't know, man. I mean, I just feel like this is a year. Like, I feel like if they're if they can't win, if they're not going to win ten games with this team now, like just sort of with the way the schedule plays out, I feel like especially that North Carolina game kind of falls into their favor in terms of just like what is it? North Carolina has a few like not not a lot of days rest. Miami has like fourteen days or something like that. Or yeah, yeah. So, North Carolina plays Florida State, I believe, um, the week before. Miami has a bye week to yeah. prepare. So, I mean, I feel like that obviously helps out a little bit. You know, I feel like it's sort of – I feel like Miami just has a ton of winnable games. And, you know, based on everything I've seen, um, I think that this should be a, a different-looking de- uh, unit, just especially offensively. I think defensively, maybe they we see a couple different looks that we haven't seen before. Hopefully, the, just that unit surprises us in general. I think the secondary is stronger. So, yeah, man, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not feeling too bad about it. Um, not expecting them to run the table and, you know, beat Clemson in the AC title game or anything like that. But I think this is a team that could potentially get to Charlotte if, you know, they sort of take care of business the way that they are expected to at this point. I feel best about, and I agree with all your points on the offense. You know, I I do think that's the strength of the team, right? The offense. I will touch on the defense in terms of what I feel good about coming out of camp. And I'll point to the new, the changes that have been made with the coaching staff. Yeah. I think, I think there's been some upgrades at, at some spots. I think Manny Diaz is an upgrade at, at, as a play caller. Yeah. I think Jess Simpson is an upgrade as a defensive line coach technician. He's going to get those guys more on the same page than we saw last year. And I think Travaris Robinson is a tremendous upgrade in the secondary. So will the defense necessarily be vastly improved from last year? I would, I would pump the brakes on that, but I do think maybe they can be a more consistent group um, and just overall a little bit better than what we saw last year. And again, I've, I've said this before, but if the offense takes a jump this year, which I expect, and the defense maybe plays a little bit better, mm-hmm. mainly just more consistent, um, I think you would take that. And I think that is a path to 10 plus wins in the regular season. Let's talk about the flip side of the coin. Now, Gabby, what are we worried about, uh, you know, coming out of fall camp? Yeah. Um, again, I feel like you can give me one thing. Give me one thing. I mean, I gotta go linebackers. Yeah. I mean, I think I gotta go linebackers. Um, just not sure what to expect out of those guys. Again, you hear all the right things and about Keontra and a little bit here about Corey flag, but I mean, I feel like we're not going to know until we know and sort of see those guys in action. Right. And I'm, to me, the, the question with linebacker is, like, both these things can be true. The linebacker play can still not be good enough, right? It, it can still not be to the Miami standard. But at the same time, as sad as this is, it can still be better than what we saw last year. Definitely. Yeah. Last year was not good enough. To me, the question at linebacker is, is it improved? Have they gotten better? Manny Diaz tells us it has. We need to see it to believe it. I would not expect the linebacker play to be up to that Miami standard this year. I hope I'm wrong, but that's just my personal expectations about the position. Um, what I'm worried about. Yeah. Um, 
I'm kind of worried about this Zion Nelson situation, yeah. to be honest. Like I was, and this is particularly if we're just looking uh, through the lens of, of what this means for the Alabama game, right? I, you know, to me, it's a drop-off if Zion Nelson is not your left tackle mm-hmm. and that puts DJ Scaife in the lineup. Now, DJ Scaife is a good backup. He's a good sixth offensive lineman. That's what you want him to be. Um, but it's, it is a big drop off and you're facing on paper, the best defense in the country. Zion Nelson gets a lot of first round buzz as a, as an offensive tackle. Um, I still think he needs to prove it before I'm on board with that, but he does have talent. And in turn, just this Alabama game, I could see that being a big, big, big problem. If, if Zion Nelson is not able to play. So That'll be interesting to monitor. Let's take a break here, Gabby. Um, On the other side, we will talk about uh, some roster management slash recruiting stuff uh, with high school football season uh, getting back started again. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, we're back. And so as, as we said before the break, um, high school football uh, getting going again. So that was fun to watch. Uh, various jamborees and local schools uh, competing again on, on Friday night slash Saturday. But before we, we jump into that, Gabby, um, you wrote about on the website um, some VIP details on potentially – uh, I guess it, it's, it's not potentially, it is the case. Miami's next Australian punter that they will have on scholarship. Tell us, explain what we need to know about that situation. Yeah. So, um, I mean, this was something that was sort of done in the dark, you know, there was yeah. not a lot of, uh, <laughs> there was not a lot of like awareness of this situation going on. And that was basically exactly what I was told by someone in Coral Cables that this was just something kind of done behind the scenes. Um, you know, Miami went, you know, dipped back into Australia and uh, grabbed another punter. His name's uh, Nelson Foley. Um, and, you know, he arrived in the United States of America on the first day of Miami's fall camp. Uh, you know, he's basically been on campus since, uh, you know, working with the team. He wasn't on the roster officially. Not sure. They probably had to figure out some paperwork and stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, I heard that he is on scholarship. Uh, you know, Miami got him from that pro kick Australia program that I guess potentially found Lou Headley from that. I honestly am not hundred percent sure about that, but uh, you know, it seems like they are all in on that Australian punter deal. And uh, you know, that's, that sounds like he, it just sounds like he's next in line to uh, 
you know, sort of take over the punting duties. If you watch the ACC All Access, you'll see that Lou Headley and Danny Calter, who's a guy that helps a lot with the with the special teams, they're the ones that went and uh, picked up Luke, uh, Nelson Foley from the from the airport and all that stuff. So I feel like Headley sort of like that, just taking on that, that mentorship role of, you know, sort of like developing him and stuff. But yeah, uh, definitely counts as a scholarship for Miami. So we have three guys currently on the team that count towards the 2022 class. And that's running back Cody Brown, who was a former Tennessee signee that Miami landed later on. We got Justice Oluwason, who Miami brought in from UNLV. And now we got Nelson Foley. So Miami's operating with 22 spots essentially for uh, this cycle based on the 25 man cap. And uh, they have nine commits uh, currently in, in, in this class. So about you're looking at about 13 spots left to work with, you know, throughout the rest of this cycle. So how they manage those spots and sort of utilize those between the transfer portal and high school guys is definitely going to be interesting to sort of watch out. There you go. Keeping the Australian pipeline alive. Um, let's move on to recruiting, right? And you hit the road, Gabby. You went to a couple of games. Let's start with the first game you attended. I think this was what, Thursday? Right? Thursday, yeah. Gulliver and Killian. Yeah. Um, seemed like 2023 wide receiver Jalen Brown was the star of the game. Tell us what you saw there. Yeah, man. Uh, this is the number two ranked wide receiver in the class of 2023, the top ranked uncommitted wide receiver in the class of 2023. Now that Brandon Ennis is headed to Oklahoma. You know, he showed every bit of why he is rated that high. I mean, everyone knows about the track speed, 1066, uh, you know, state qualifier in the 100 meter and the 200 meter. But, uh, you know, he was all over the place. I believe he had like eight or nine catches, uh, three long touchdowns. Uh, I think like 187 yards total. I only got to watch a half because I had to cover Miami practice later on that day. But, I mean, this is just an unreal talent. I mean, just a guy that you need to lock up like, literally goes to school down the street from UM going to be one of the top guys in that 2023 cycle. So definitely a guy that Miami's going to have to, you know, go, you know, go all in for uh, next cycle. And, you know, just really impressive just the way he moves around. One thing that's really stood out about him lately is just seems like his confidence is sort of starting to match his skill set. before it was just kind of like, mm-hmm. he's really good, but sort of like not there, like mentally of just like believing that. And I feel like, you know, throughout this seven on seven circuit, I got to watch him a ton you, you start, sort of start, started to see that build up. And, um, you know, it's, it seemed like on Thursday, it was a pretty hyped game. You know, Miami Killing is not too far down the road, a much bigger right. public school. So, you know, there's a little bit of yapping in between the two schools, and he came out and just absolutely stole the show. So, uh, you know, good to see the top guys be the top guys and sort of like, you know, take over a game the way that he did. Who impressed you on, on Killian? Because they got some guys Miami's sniffing around. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, Robbie Washington's the name that, like, you know, I feel like my, some Miami fans are pretty aware of. You know, he transferred in from Murfreesboro, Oakland in Tennessee. Um, I thought he played really well, man. I think you see a little bit of the burst. I think you see a little bit of – you definitely see the speed. Uh, I think he's an impressive playmaker in terms of just what he can do. It seems like he's Killian's go-to option. It definitely felt like he got the best of whatever Gulliver's defense had to offer. Um, you know, his probably his most impressive play of the day – uh, Killing just throws one up to him. He's definitely just a clearly interfered with like an easy penalty. And he still comes down with a, with a catch for, I think it was like a 20, it was like an 18, 25 yard gain. Um, but you just see a lot of that and, you know, just the willingness to fight for the ball and sort of be that guy. Uh, so he was really impressive on the offensive side, his twin brother, Bobby, 
uh, was playing middle linebacker for Killian. And, you know, he had a hit or two or just that were impressive and just watching him sort of move around. I think he's like 6'2", 205, 210 pounds right now. So definitely looks the part and uh, definitely moves around really well. He has a Miami offer as well. He was at the cookout on June 2nd, the underclassman one. And, um, you know, he's another guy that uh, definitely impressed as, you know, Stan Quan Clark is a 2023 top 247 linebacker. He was suspended for the first quarter or something like that. Like he just didn't, he only played special teams, came back on later. Didn't really see him do anything that is, that was like overwhelming or anything like that. But I saw him a ton on the seven on seven circuit and know what he's capable of doing. So So there are definitely three names to know on Killian's roster. Who, who would you say is the better prospect between Bobby and Robbie? That's tough. Uh, You know, I feel like receivers, you know, there's just a ton of them these days. Right. Like even in the NFL, there's just a bunch of receivers running around there. Uh, I would probably say I, I might lean Bobby just because of the size. You know, there's not a lot of six. There's not a lot of linebackers running around South Florida that look the way he does. Um, so I might lean Bobby in terms of just like potential upside. Uh, right. I do think he's very raw as a prospect, but I think he, the like what when he shows what he can do, it's it's pretty impressive. And if he can put it all together, I think that Bobby might have the higher ceiling. And Robbie's probably a little better right now today. Yeah, I would say Robbie's probably a little better. Two completely different positions, too, so right, it's also right. hard to compare. But, yeah, I would, see, I would say Robbie's probably further along in terms of just, like, being able to make an impact on a game at this very moment. And then the next day, you were at American Heritage IMG Academy, right? So ton of big-time prospects, a ton of future NFL players, if we're being honest, on the field for that game. Give us just some of your quick takeaways because there's like 30 guys you could talk about yeah. literally, but uh, give us like five guys that, that Miami fans need to know about what you, what you thought. Yeah. I mean, I'll start with uh, Kamari Wilson, the five-star safety out of IMG, a Fort Pierce native uh, man ahead. He, he is an ultra aggressive defender. Um, definitely not afraid to lower his shoulder and make a hit. Definitely not afraid to, hit someone potentially a little bit too hard or a little bit too late, which is a, you know, probably, you know, a good thing and a bad thing, you know, you know, he's not sure. going to back down, but you also, I feel like need to find a way. I feel like whoever gets him is going to have to find a way to bottle that up a little bit. Cause it seemed, uh, it got a little bit excessive to the point that he reckless. was tossed. Yeah. It became a little reckless and he was tossed from the game. Um, you know, definitely the leader of the defense, the, the vocal leader in terms of just calling out the plays, calling out, you know, any sort of like adjustments they needed to make and, it was definitely Kamari Wilson's voice that you heard sort of, you know, maneuvering that. So, you know, definitely a positive. Um, so Kamari will, and he said after the game, he's going to officially visit Miami. I think that's a really big deal. I mean, obviously sure. a lot of the sec schools, Georgia, Texas A&M, LSU have been tied. So uh, good to hear that stuff. Uh, another guy I got to see Jalil Skinner. I mean, the nation's number one tight end, according to the 24 seven sports composite. He seems like a, a very popular name right now, especially among Miami fans, uh, Florida State fans, a couple other schools that are involved, Alabama, Texas, Clemson. Um, you know, I... Quiet I day, right? Very quiet day. Um, I, I didn't see a target. I heard other people say he was targeted once and it was just like wasn't even close. Um, basically a non-factor in the game. You know, you see it with just like, you know, obviously it's frame six, five, like 210. He is skinny. It feels like he can put on a ton of weight at the next level. Uh, probably should have been more. I would have liked to see him maybe targeted in like, you know, in the red zone, they had plenty of those opportunities. Uh, just wasn't, it was a very run heavy attack for IMG could have been by design who knows, but uh, do think he's a bit raw 
Uh, maybe not as close to a finished product as some might think, like on the surface where you're just looking at this monster of a man. Obviously, considering the top tight end, you think he's like a plug and play guy. Not quite sure about that yet. But, uh, you know, he had a really a lot of really good things to say about Miami, about his official visit, about Coach Field, about Jake Garcia. And, um, you know, I, I do think that Miami is definitely in, involved here and that, uh, you know, that he is considering them. He was wearing a Miami towel on his back. So, you know, just had a little bit of orange and green on him while he was in South Florida. Um, someone else, Mark Fletcher. Yeah, Mark Fletcher, man. This kid was a uh, – he was the workhorse for the American Heritage offense. Six, I mean, 6'3", 225 pounds. I think IMG knew exactly what Heritage's, you know, main game plan was, and that was to give him the ball. It was tough for him to get a ton going. I mean – it, I wrote this, and I'm not sure if I was exaggerating or not, but it seemed like that defensive front was just exclusively power five talent. Like if you like if you, if you were a group of five guy or anything like that, like you were not on the field at that at like on the defensive line or like even potentially the front seven because it's just like it, it was that good. And still, he I feel like he found ways to sort of break through that front line, and uh, you know he scored a touchdown that was a a big, big score. It brought, it brought uh, American heritage within five points in the first half uh, made it, it. They finished the half 14 to nine. You know, it was really, really close for a point there where you thought, you know, heritage is probably really going to hang into this in this game. And Mark Fletcher had a lot to do with that. He ended up cramping up in the second half a little bit was kind of on and off the field after that. But I mean, I think you saw a lot of what makes him special in terms of just being able to fight through, you know, defenders again, high level defenders. So you sort of like to see that sort of competition and where he sort of stood there. I thought he held up really, really well. So was definitely impressed with him. Uh, again, talked to him after the game. Uh, apparently, uh, him and his dad, uh, uh, his dad grew up with Eric Hickson, uh, Miami's running okay. backs coach. So I think there's sort of a connection there. I talked to a family member of his that was sort of on the sidelines. He apparently comes from a, a line of Miami fans. Uh, so, you know, that has some feeling that the Hurricanes are in a really good spot. I think Alabama right. and Georgia Tech, he also has family, family in Atlanta. Seems like Georgia Tech might be a real factor in there too. He will be at the Miami and Alabama game in Atlanta. So again, just another way, another, you know, way for him to be around the program and stuff. So, uh, yeah, I think two that's other guys. Deal. I think they're you know not long shot. Miami's in the mix, but not really. I guess top one or two, right? But Marvin Jones Jr. How'd he look? And then Earl Little Jr. Yeah, how'd he do? Marvin Jones, I mean, first drive of the game, I thought he was about to have a day. Uh, I, he had a sack, like, I think it was like the second or third play of the day. Um, he was lined up against Francis. I can't remember. I can't really say his last name. It's like Mauiga, who's like, I think the number one ranked offensive tackle in the 2023 class. Um, so definitely some stiff competition for him there. Again, got to the quarterback very early on. I think he had one more tackle for loss in the second half, but otherwise was pretty quiet, you know, um, Penn, uh, you know, IMG's running game was just very, very effective early on. You know, the heritage even sort of like keeping it in check. Uh, uh, Marvin Jones had a lot to do with that. It seems like he was in on a lot of plays, not making a ton of them himself or a lot of negative plays. But, you know, I think he definitely flashed some against, uh, you know, obviously some some serious competition. So, um, yeah, I thought he I thought he was OK. Earl Little, too, uh, again, made a couple plays. Nothing like game changing, like, you know, he didn't have a big pick or you know, this massive tackle for loss or anything. I think his highlight of the day was a uh, Florida state, AJ Duffy, Florida state commit uh, quarterback, AJ Duffy rolls out left, just kind of starts booking it to the sideline. He's a pretty mobile guy and Earl little sort of reads it the whole way, just meets him right on the sideline, just delivers a huge blow 
Um, you know, I, th- I mean, I think he just shows the way that he sort of plays, the way, the way he's capable of hitting, uh, just sort of reading and reacting to that was pretty impressive as well. So, you know, I don't think those guys were, you know, maybe significant difference makers in that game. That's not to say that they were non-factors or, sure. you know, didn't play well. It just, uh, you know, it was an extremely, extremely star-studded event. And, um, you know, they might have blended it. They might have blended Yeah, IMG's tough. They, I mean, if you look at what they've done in years past for American Heritage to keep this a 20-point game, right. a five-point game and a half, I'm not sure a lot of programs around the country have done that with them. Yeah, you know? American so, Heritage uh, probably won't lose another game. It doesn't feel right. that way. It doesn't feel that way. They, they, they were, like, legitimately competitive for half to the point where you're like, you know, this might really, like, this could really potentially come down to the wire. You know, I think you know how it happens, especially with these big programs. You see it in college a lot where it's close for half a second half. They're just like bigger, faster, stronger at the end of the day, right. just sort of find a way to impose their will and just kind of get going. It felt like that happened, especially on the ground with, um, with uh, IMG uh, in that second half, and they were able to just break it wide open. Last thing with this game, and we don't give me your, your homer take, but yeah. what were your thoughts on A.J. Duffy, Florida State quarterback commit? I mean, I just, honestly, I just, it just wasn't super impressive. You know, this was his first live action since he was a sophomore. Um, I think you kind of saw a little bit of that in terms of just like, you know, you missed your whole junior year. There's going to be something there sure. you know, to get back on the field. You're playing against a really good defense. I mean, you got, right. I'm trying to think between Earl Little, Jacoby Spells, Damari Brown, Damon Fagan, you got at least four power five backs at American Heritage. Uh, I think it was uh, a tough test for him. Uh, again, a lot of new, uh, just a, playing a lot, a lot of new pieces and stuff. I mean, we just got the stat sent us four, four of 13 for 35 yards with a touchdown and an interception. You know, I thought he was very much average to below average throughout the night. Again, sure. that's not, I'm not trying to like draw a reaction from anybody. I would say this, if this was Miami's five-star commit, I just didn't think he was, he was yeah. that good. Um, you know, missed a lot of throws that he probably should have made. Uh, really just like almost like dink and dunk plays. Like he had a couple just like maybe like bubble screen types or just like running back coming up, coming out like on a wheel from out of the backfield, just overthrowing, um, made a really bad decision on that uh, interception that he threw. I mean, Damari Brown sort of lined up on the inside of that wide receiver. Damari Brown essentially ran the route and, you know, just kind of put it right in his pocket. Um, you know, just again, he had one good throw to Carnell Tate, but it was like, you know, slant, you know, nothing like world sure. changing or anything like that had a couple good throws down the field that maybe a little bit out of bounds that, you know, if they're a foot or two, you know, in play could have been big plays for him, but, you know, I'm going to be interested to see how he looks, uh, you know, down the stretch. I thought, uh, you know, I thought he was basically that. Let's transition to, cause we were able, thanks to streaming, right. We were able yeah. to watch Jakari Brown, Miami quarterback commit in the Corky Kell classic taking on Walton, I believe. Yeah. Um, what was your, that was a great game. Uh, yeah. what was your takeaway from Jakari's performance? Yeah. My takeaway was that if, uh, if he plays that way the whole season, I feel like he's going to get killed. Like, you know, well, he yeah. just puts, he puts his, uh, he puts his body on the line every play, you know, um, his ability to it, like evade pressure and make something of what looks like is going to be just a collapsed pocket and that you're kind of just on nowhere to go. His ability to make something out of those situations was super impressive. His ability as a runner is, um, uh, I mean, I don't know. I feel like we kind of knew that's who he was, uh, but that was a little bit different. Just watching the way that he moved around, 
Um, you know, doesn't have a ton of pieces around him, but you know what he was able to do sort of no, I feel like the entire defense knew that Jacquery Brown was making a play one way or the other. Uh, they knew the ball was going to be in, in yeah. his hands a lot. And despite that, he was still able to, you know, break away from tackles, you know, fall forward and just do a lot of different things. Well, what he did with his arm, I thought was really impressive. I mean, 10 of 18, I think it was like what, 165 yards or something like that. Yep. Three touchdowns, and three touchdowns. Yeah. Um, you know, just the way he sort of willed his team back into that game down 14 points uh, to start the game, battled his way back with a running touchdown and then a passing touchdown um, in that second half down 14 points again to drive down the field and score, get that onside kick, come back around and again, roll out, right. Deliver, you know, a dart sort of on the sideline to, to have that basically game time touchdown as time expired. I think he showed just a lot of who he is as a player, as a competitor, um, you know, right. Andrew Ivins was there on the sidelines and just sort of talking about just like the vibe that like, you know, he had like, you know, the energy, just like how into this game he was, I think says a lot about him as a player, man, I was, I was really impressed watching him play. I think that was the first time I ever watched him play like a game start to finish like that. And, yeah. um, you know, not a finished product by any stretch of the imagination. Right, right. Definitely not as a passer. And uh, to that point, like I, so Andrew and I saw him play against Valdosta high school, right? We were hoping yeah. Jake Garcia would be able to play in that game. He wasn't, he wasn't playing due to the, you know, whatever was happening there with that situation. But, um, I will say it looked like it looks like Jakari has improved as a passer year over year. Now he still needs to keep improving. He's yeah. not, like you said, not a finished product. But again, I am encouraged by the trajectory he is showing as a passer. Um, and I'll say this: I agree with everything you said. I am intrigued because. Jakari brought, brought his team back, like you said, in that fourth quarter, down 14 points. They essentially went to a two-minute offense, yeah. you know, where it was like four wide, and they just let Jakari throw the ball, right? Um, where it seemed like the first three and a half quarters, it was kind of like, all right, Jakari, uh, you're our running back, so run the ball, and <laughs> maybe every now and then we'll let you throw a deep post. Right like on a third and long situation or something like that. I felt like I feel like they they had him throw in like the obvious passing downs, and then otherwise he was running. So I feel like that kind of put him in a tough spot at times. He looked comfortable in yeah. that two minute offense. Like yeah, very throwing throwing the ball, moving um, quickly along. Like let's get the next playoff. Like it's it did seem like that was more of a, a fit. For so him. for his development and just lounge season, I'm curious if they kind of transition more to those looks as the season progresses, but we're breaking down high school football right now. So uh, any other guys to highlight for the weekend? Any, anyone pop to you from what you saw on social media, had a good game, any of Miami's commits, anything like that? Um, I'm trying to think, I mean, I know uh, Landon Ibieta. I mean, I know he had a huge play. Yeah. I know there was a play of sort of circulating on social media of just like what he was able to do from the slot. And I mean, quarterback made a hell of a throw too, but uh, definitely, saw some of that explosion that people have been highlighting about him a little bit. Uh, good to see him making plays. Um, you know, I thought something interesting from that same Corky Kelk uh, classic. I mean, Andrew Ivins put it on inside the U this morning, so you can definitely read about it. Uh, Malik Spencer was a guy, yeah. you know, plays at Buford, uh, same school as Isaiah Bond, uh, once a Miami target thought to be potential commit. Um, you know, he was a guy that was at the cookout on June 1st and, uh, you know, a name that had been sort of lingering around too. It seems like Miami's still pushing there, uh, you know, trying to get him off that Michigan state commitment. 
So um, I thought that I think that's a pretty interesting, um, a pretty interesting nugget and stuff like that from uh, you know that weekend as well. And I guess Anthony Lucas, um, yeah. four-star, top 100, I think, defensive lineman yeah. from Arizona, already took his official visit to Miami in mm-hmm. June. Plans to come back for a game in the fall. Tell us what we need to know there. Yeah, uh, Anthony Lucas, uh, you know, top 20 player nationally. Like, I think he's like the number 17 okay. ranked overall player, like number six defensive lineman or something like that, extremely talented. Yeah, he burned all five of his official visits this summer. Uh, he definitely wants to see how everyone plays this year, still sort of weighing his options. Talked to him last night, haven't had the chance to write it up, but I definitely will after this pod. Um, yeah, he's going to be back to the Miami-Michigan State game. Uh, I believe it's September 18th. I might might be the first game that he goes to this this fall. So okay. uh, you know, I think it's a big deal that you know he's gonna that he's kind of making it a priority on his own to come back and see Miami. I think he's gonna go see Alabama, LSU. I think he's gonna go see Alabama at Florida. I know he's gonna go see USC, Stanford. Uh, he's gonna go see a couple of those games also. Sure. Like I know he has a, a full schedule of games that he has. Um, so, but it's good that Miami is one of them. You know, he has like seven sure. schools that he's sort of considering right now. Uh, it feels like Miami's firmly in that his parents, him and his parents born in Haiti, lived in Broward County for a decent portion of his life and then moved out to Arizona. So Miami still sort of feels like home to him in a sense and to the family. So, you know, you never know, man. You never know how that ends up paying off at the end. I've, it worked for Elijah Arroyo last cycle. I mean, had a 305 area code on his cell phone when he was playing for, uh, you know, independence, independence in Frisco, Texas. You know, you never know how uh, how much coming home actually matters to some of these guys. So who knows with Anthony Lucas, definitely going to be good to have him uh, for a Miami game against Michigan State. Yeah, football is back. Um, good to see high school starting. College football week zero is this weekend. Yeah. I think what, Nebraska, Illinois is kind of the headliner. You uh, see Hawaii? Kidding me, man? There you go. There you go. So... <laughs> Yeah, I'll watch those trash games and I'll enjoy them. So um, football's back. I'm here for it. Appreciate all you guys listening. Um, Appreciate everyone who's staying up on the website. We always have tons of updates this time of year. Um, So keep checking out InsideTheU.com. David Lake for Gabby Urrutia. Uh, Till next time, take care, guys. Streaming on Paramount Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus.